Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. The Two-Footed Podcast is brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is a VPN provider. A virtual privacy network allows you to go online, change your location, access things you're geo-blocked from while keeping your data safe. So, as an example, if you are a UK expat and want access to BBC iPlayer, to watch Match of the Day or ITV Hub or all four, but you get that message that says this content is not available in your location, a Liberty Shield VPN gets you around that block, allows you to watch whatever you want on those services while also keeping your data safe. And it goes further than that. It allows you to open up Netflix's entire library by just changing your IP address. Liberty Shield is the number one rated VPN provider on Trustpilot with five-star ratings across the board. So go to libertyshield.com right now, use the code EPL25 and get either the hardware package or the software package. The hardware package is a router that you plug into your existing router and any item you want to change the IP address on, be it your phone or your television, you connect that to the new Liberty Shield router. All other items can remain connected to your existing router. There's also a software package, which is instantly downloadable to your device, and you can get using straight away. Again, libertyshield.com, EPL25 for 25% off at checkout. We're also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland, but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk and do check out the EPL Index and Anfield Index shops, which you'll find on Etsy. Use the codes EPL10 or RED10 for 10% off at checkout. And lastly, do remember to check out a tad predictable hosted by Tadiwa. That podcast is on this feed before every Premier League match week. And then the EPL Roundtable hosted by Kevin DeVries on its own EPL Roundtable feed. So just search EPL Roundtable in your podcast device. And that's out after every match week. Now, on with the show. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the show on Tuesday, the 6th of December. We don't have a whole lot to talk about today. There is the World Cup. If you want to know more about the World Cup, listen to the Daily Red, which is which now the World Cup Daily, over on Anfield Index. Myself and Guy this morning had a chat about Brazil, South Korea, 
and Croatia-Japan from yesterday and looked ahead to Morocco-Spain and Portugal-Switzerland for today. For this podcast, though, what I thought I'd do is try and have a look at the home nations and whether or not they might have a decent chance at qualifying for the next World Cup in 2026. Now, bear in mind, there are going to be 48 teams at the next World Cup. So it does improve everybody's chances of getting there. But obviously, when we look at certain squads, such as the Welsh, they're losing or likely to lose some big, big players between now and then. So today I thought we'd look at Scotland, Northern Ireland, Wales and the Republic of Ireland national teams and their under-21 teams and see if we can piece together a decent 11 for them that might be good enough to see them through qualification in four years' time. Won't bother with England today because they're still in the tournament and we know England will be there. Barring some bizarre, disastrous scenario England will be there. They've got a really good squad now. They've got an immense amount of young talent coming through. So they will be there. So let's start with the Scots. So Craig Gordon is their number one goalkeeper, but he's 39. Their number two has long been David Marshall. He's 37 and he's now retired. Other goalkeepers that have been in the mix, Xander Clark, he never actually got capped, but he was in the squad a couple of times. He's 30. And John McLaughlin, who's 35. He's got two caps. The other two that have been in the senior squad of late are Liam Kelly of Motherwell and Robbie McCrory of Rangers. In their under-21 group, they've got Sam Long, who... Looks a decent goalkeeper, but you'd question the level that he's playing at. Kieran Slicker, who's at Rochdale, but he is out on loan from Man City and he is highly thought of. And Jude Smith, who's owned by Newcastle, and he may be the most talented of all of them. So let's just say that it's McCrory who's the one that seizes the number one spot moving forward. He does seem like the one in the driving seat right now. So let's just assume it's him. Let's assume the management stays the same and it sticks with a similar back five type of setup. Andy Robertson will be 32. You'd imagine he'll still be okay to play as the left wing back in a 5-3-2. Kieran Tierney, as the left-side centre-back, is probably the best option. I would say Scott McKenna in the middle of a back three. They've got good right-back options in Calvin Ramsey and Nathan Patterson. There's also Aaron Hickey, obviously, though he may well be Robertson's kind of backup slash successor. So in defence, they're probably only looking for one player to really step forward and make a position their own, that right-side centre-back. That's probably the one that will be open. So you've got Ryan Porteous of Aberdeen, of uh, Hibernian, rather. He's got one cap. 
He's 23 years of age and he is quite highly regarded in Scottish football. Now, obviously, the level of Scottish football is not the highest, but still, he's a decent player. He could be one who might step up there. Other options, John Suter, maybe, but he's not really suited to being the right side option in a three. He lacks a bit of pace. You'd wonder if someone like Josh Doig can step forward. He might be left-footed. Formerly of Hibs, now at Hellas Verona in Syria, in Syria B, Syria, sorry, Syria. Um, no, he's left-footed, so he's we can rule him out. The other one is Kerr Smith, the kid who went to Aston Villa a couple of years ago. When Gerard took over, he brought him south of the border. Now, he's very, very highly regarded. But he is only 17. Now, he'll be 21 when the World Cup comes round. I think he's the one they're probably looking at and hoping he can step forward. He's very, very highly regarded. It was seen as quite a big coup for Villa to get him from Dundee over some of the other clubs that were interested, such as Liverpool, Chelsea and Tottenham. Gerard was able to use his connections in Scotland and you know his reputation to get him in. So he might be the one to fill that void. In midfield then, you're probably looking at Billy Gilmore, Lewis Ferguson, I think is one who's got a a big, big chance. Uh, He's just moved to Bologna. He's very, very talented. Looked really good for Aberdeen. Has goals in his game. Has already started life really well for Bologna. Three goals in nine league games. Uh, Got 11 in 36 last season. Nine in 35 the year before. 23 years of age. I think he's one with a big future. So the third midfield position then is the one you're kind of looking at. David Turnbull has all the talent. He just can never stay fit. I would imagine Kenny McLean and Callum McGregor will have aged out. McGregor might still be knocking around the squad, but he wouldn't be a starter by that point for me. Neither would John McGinn, who I don't think is going to age well. So McTominay's probably the obvious one with his kind of bigger, rangier, more powerful game. I think he needs to get clear of Manchester United and go to more of a mid-level club where he can be a regular starter. Elliot Anderson's another really exciting one, the kid at Newcastle. Um, He has looked good pretty much every time I've seen him play. I like Flynn Clark at Norwich. I think he's a talented player. And Michael Craig is someone that might just be able to take a step up. He's only played a couple of times for Reading. He came through the Tottenham Academy. They let him go. Reading picked him up. And he does look like a player that has the intelligence to really develop as a good midfield player. But I would guess McTominay, Ferguson and Gilmore is the likely midfield for Scotland at the next World Cup. Up front is where they have issues. Lyndon Dykes is limited. Ryan Christie's 
a good player, but he's not going to get you enough goals. Don't know enough about Jacob Brown. Ryan Fraser wouldn't be for me. Che Adams is probably a likely starter, but you need to put him next to someone who gets you goals. And when we look at the Scottish squad, there doesn't really seem to be that player. Now, there's a very, very exciting young player at Aston Villa, Rory Wilson, who is 16 years of age, has already been capped at under 21 level twice. And it may be that they're hoping that he's the one that steps forward. Kai Kennedy's another one to keep a look, a look on. He's more of a winger, but he, he's a player, he is a player that promises to have goals in his game. Um, Stuart McKinstry is another winger that's on loan at Motherwell from Leeds. And he's talented, but I think he's less of a goal scorer. I think Rory Wilson's the one they have to really bank on. By the time the World World Cup comes up, he'll be 20. And the hope will be that he's done enough to warrant a place in that team. So overall, defensively, I think they're going to be good. I do. I think they've got two really good young right-backs in Ramsey and Patterson. They've got three good left-backs in Robertson, Tierney and Hickey. And obviously if they play a back three, they can get Tierney in as one of the the centre-backs. I like McKenna. I I think McKenna is a good player. And Kerr Smith is highly, highly regarded. So he's one of the two. Him and Wilson are the two that they're looking to step up into the more established group and show what they can do. Uh, Do also keep an eye on Dane Murray of Celtic. Big, powerful defender, 6'4". He's played in the Champions League. He's someone that might have a chance at establishing himself. Don't think he's as talented as Kerr Smith, but certainly from what he's shown for Celtic in his two appearances, he does look like someone with promise. Moving on. Oh, and in terms of the manager, my guess, and it is just a guess, but my guess is that Steve Clark will remain in charge for the next four years. Obviously, a lot will depend on how they do with the Euros. If they go to the Euros and it's a disaster or they don't reach the Euros, maybe he goes beforehand. But he's done fairly well with Scotland. Only 12 defeats in 41 games. I think he can navigate them through the the mire of World Cup qualification. If he does go, I wonder if it's Scott Gemmell who steps up. Gemmell's been the under-17 manager, and now he's doing the 21 manager, and has been for the last six years. So he's already in the system, and he's worked with a lot of these younger players in the squad, bringing them through the under-21s to the first team. So he might be the the backup plan if things don't work with Steve Clark. But my guess is that it'll be Steve Clark. Uh, Northern Ireland don't currently have a manager. How this came up, Guy mentioned that Michael O'Neill recently left Stoke, that he is rumoured to be interested in a return to the Northern Ireland job. Now, he did a very, very good job 
when he was there the last time. Got them to the Euros in 2016. Uh, that was the first time they'd ever qualified for the Euros. He did a very, very good job while he was in charge. Completely redid the culture of Northern Irish football. Northern Ireland haven't been to a World Cup since 86. They've only been to three in their history. 58, they reached the quarterfinals. 82, they got to the second group stage. And 86, they went out in the group stage. Michael O'Neill managed Northern Ireland from 2011 to 2020. Now, you look at the win-loss record, it's not great. But if you look at the look at the fact that they qualified for a major international tournament. That's all you really need to focus on. And the fact that he did bring along a number of good young players. And the one thing he was able to do a little bit as well was stop the bleed of young Northern Irish footballers declaring for the Republic because they're all entitled to a passport if they're born on the island. So he was able to convince a couple of young players to stick with Northern Ireland rather than shifting to the South. So Bailey Peacock Farrell will be the goalkeeper, you'd imagine. He's got 35 caps. He's 26 years of age. He would seem like the one most likely to stay in goal. But Connor Hazard, who's not related to Eden, um, owned by Celtic on loan with HJK Helsinki. He's getting valuable experience with HJK. 24 games this season in the league, 14 in Europe, 39 appearances overall. Whereas Peacock Farrell is not having the best of times at Burnley. Um, He's very much second string with Burnley right now. Spent last season on loan with Sheffield Wednesday, which was very beneficial to his career, but he needs to be playing more regularly. You can't... When you're a smaller nation, it's tough because a lot of your players, like we see this with the Republic, it's the same with Northern Ireland. A lot of your players are going to be playing lower league football, League One, League Two. And you can't really afford for them to be at that level or even championship level and not a regular starter. Like they have to be getting games. They have to be coming in in rhythm. So I think Bailey Peacock-Farrell needs a move. Connor Hazard, there's some feeling that he may well be the one who replaces Joe Hart as Celtic goalkeeper. Uh, I think his loan is close to up. I, I think I think the finished season, season is over. So he might come back to Celtic and potentially get an opportunity uh, under Ange, but we'll we'll wait and see. He played six games last season. Be interest, or not last season, the season before last. It'll be interesting to see if he gets some opportunities. But so they've got two goalkeepers that they can potentially rely on. There's another kid there, Josh Clark, also at Celtic. He's very highly regarded as well. So they're going to be okay in goal. Connor Bradley is going to nail down the right back slot all to himself, and he's he's really talented. So you can be confident in him. And I think Jamal Lewis owns the left-back spot. I don't think there's any debate there. 
where there's an issue with centre-back. So Johnny Evans is 34. He's not going to be around for the World Cup. Paddy McNair, for me, I'm just not overly keen. I'm not overly keen. Shane Ferguson is 31. He'll be 35. I think you can rule him out. I think you can rule Tom Flanagan out. Uh, They do have uh, Kieran Brown, who can play sort of anywhere across the back line. Maybe a good rotation piece for them. Kofi Balmer of um, Kofi Balmer of Crystal Palace moved over from Larne in the summer. He's one that might have a chance of establishing himself. But the question is, who's the other centre back next to him going to be? The one who looks like he's, I suppose, got a real chance of doing so. Is, I mean, you know, it is probably Paddy McNair. It probably is Paddy McNair. Like they've got, they've got a lot of good young fullbacks. Like Trey Holm looks like a good young fullback. Brody Spencer looks very promising at Huddersfield, but I think he's probably going to end up maybe in midfield. Um, in the under twenty one squad, I mean, again, it's it's a lot of. It's a lot of lads that are more fullback than centre back. Maybe Aaron Donnelly steps up. I would say they've got a hole at centre back right now. I would say they've got an, a big need to fill one of the spots at centre back. And, and to be fair, both, because I, we can't guarantee that Kofi Balmer becomes anything. He hasn't played for the national team yet. The talent is there without doubt. But that's probably the big the big question mark for them. Can he step up into that centre-back role? And if he does, who steps up next to him? There aren't a great amount of options. Now, there's some of the young players, Rory McConville at Brighton, I don't know. Michael Forbes at West Ham, I don't know. Are they centre-backs? Are they full-backs? I genuinely couldn't tell you. But hopefully a centre-back pairing emerges over the next couple of years because the full-back talent is quite good and quite deep. The goalkeeping situation is pretty good. And in midfield, I think they've got some reasons to be very optimistic about their future. Now, Stephen Davis is 37. He'll be gone. Corey Evans is 32. He'll be gone. George Savile may be gone as well. But Shea Charles of Man City looks a real player. Looks a real player. Now, he can play in a number of positions, and maybe he's the one who drops. He's normally a holding midfielder, but maybe he's the one that drops into centre-back and makes a spot his own. He's someone they can be very excited about. I quite like the look of Ali McCann when I watch him play for Preston. Don't watch Preston a whole lot, but he's one that looks a solid player. Um, was at St. Johnston and was pretty impressive north of the border as well. But then they've got Caelan Boyd-Munce, who looks very, very good. Um, was at Birmingham, moved to Borough. I think there's definitely talent there. 
They've got Charlie McCann, who I know they're very high on. Was that United? Went to Rangers. Rangers seem very, very keen to have him um, become a big part of their future. I think part of why Rangers went for Michael Beale was to push forward a lot of these young players in the hope that they can develop because Rangers have done quite well in the last couple of years at snapping up young talent. Uh, An attacking midfielder, Charlie Allen of Leeds, hasn't played for Leeds yet to my knowledge, but very highly regarded. They brought him in from Linfield. Darren Robinson, who has broken through at Derby, he's a serious talent. He's one to keep an eye on. Derby have done so well with their academy. It's such a shame that Derby's financials sent them down the toilet because they were really putting something together with that academy. And in the end, they're going to end up losing most of their best young players. Uh, Isaac Price, youngster at Everton, another one to keep an eye on to come into this midfield group. And Alfie McCalmont, he had a good loan. Uh, he had a really good loan at Oldham a couple of years ago. So he hasn't made the grade at Leeds, and I don't think he's going to. But he's one that might have a good lower league career, and potentially that can translate to him doing well for the national team. Up front, McGinnis will be gone. But Gavin White will still be knocking around. Shane Lavery will still be knocking around. Dion Charles will still be there. Craig Lafferty will be gone. Connor Washington's probably gone. Uh, maybe Paul Smith of Leighton Orient takes a step forward. Dale White is the forward player they're really excited about. He's at Forest and is really highly regarded at Forest. They gave him a new contract in the summer. So you're looking for two centre-backs and two strikers really to step forward. Midfield and fullback and goalkeeper, I think they're going to be in good nick. But they've got a lot of question marks. Full The centre-backs, they need people to step forward. They might need to convert. Um, they might need to convert players from midfield to defence, like Shea Charles. Maybe that's what needs to happen with him. Um, but there's definitely reason for promise and, and optimism with the Northern Ireland team, especially if Michael O'Neill comes back in, because what he did the last time was he really brought them together and made them believe they were capable of more, made them believe they belonged on the biggest stage, which has always been an issue for both Irish teams. All to the Welsh then. My assumption is Rob Page stays in charge. I don't know if he's a good manager, is the truth of it. Um, I, I genuinely couldn't tell you. They're likely to lose Wayne Hennessy. Uh, Adam Davies will be 34 with the next World Cup. Don't expect he's still around. And they should probably just lose Danny Ward's phone number. Um, Tom King of Salford is the only other keeper who's been called up in the last 12 months. In terms of young goalkeepers that they might be banking on to step up, David Robson, who's owned by Hull, currently on loan at Crawley, seems like a pretty obvious candidate. Um, Ed Beach, Evan Watts and Keen Taylor are the other young goalkeepers that have been in the under-21 squad. 
There's not a great group of defenders or a great group of goalkeepers. So that's a question mark for them. In defence, Nico Williams is going to be one of the fullbacks. And my assumption is that Reese Norrington Davies locks down the other. So Nico on the right, Norrington Davies on the left. At centre back, I thought Joe Roden took a big step forward at the year at the World Cup. I thought he was one of their better performers. He's had a pretty good season for Wren playing regularly. Is helping him massively. Who knew? Ben Davies will be 33, but I still think he'll be around. And I think Ethan Ampadu needs to be the other centre-back. I He can play in midfield without question, but I think he's better as a centre-back in a three. Now, they also have Oliver Denham of Cardiff, who's quite highly regarded. So maybe he's one who can step into a bit of a breach there. Uh, as far as under-21s go, Finn Stevens is a right-back owned by Brentford. A talented player by the looks of him. Owen Bevan is a young centre-back owned by Bournemouth. There's Owen Beck, left-back owned by Liverpool. He's one with potential to step forward for certain. Zach Ashworth is, I think, a good player. He's the son of Dan Ashworth, former West Brom sporting director, current Newcastle sporting director. I think he's one to keep an eye on. Now, I, he's probably more of a fullback than a centre-back or wing-back. So if they're going to play a back three, he might get caught in between a little bit. Uh, ben Cabango is another one that could definitely make a case. They they probably need to find that left-footed successor to Ben Davies, because he'll be 33 and it's not overly ideal, <clears throat> excuse me, overly ideal for him to still be there um, at that age because it's not like he's a world class defender. He's decent. Chris Methelman will be in the group as well. You'd expect Connor Roberts is still kicking about. Um, there's, so there's promise there, but there's, there's holes to fill at the same time. I think, personally, I think they'd be better off actually going to 4 4 2, if I'm honest. Now, Nico's more of a wing-back than a full-back, but in four years, you'd hope he'll develop the defensive side of his game. Same thing goes for Norrington Davies. Ampadu and Roden, I think, could be a very solid centre-back duo as a two. The reason I think they should do this is because I think they've got some exciting wingers. I think Sorba Thomas should be one of those that they build around moving forward. I think he's really, really promising. He would be one of the first names in the team sheet for me, moving forward. Outstanding dribbler. I think Harry Wilson works better on the right of a midfield four, cutting in onto that left foot. And if Nico Williams is the right back, then they get that overlapper as well. Um, In terms of central midfield options, uh, Dylan Levette, probably one who'll step forward over the next couple of years. He's had a pretty good start to life with Dundee. He's already got 13 caps for the national team. Uh, Ruben Colwell's another winger, more suited to those to that 4-4-2 type of shape. Was in the squad, has eight caps already, looks good player for Cardiff. So he's one to keep an eye on. Uh, Joe Morrill, another central midfield option, more suited to a, to a flat four. Matthew Smith, another decent midfield option. The two big talents they have immediately knocking on the door 
are Jordan James of Birmingham, who really does look like he could be a player that makes a solid career for himself. Good all-rounder, good technical level, doesn't try to do anything that he can't do, plays you know within his own limitations, which is a good thing. And Luke Harris is the, the big, big talent here. Luke Harris, I think, has the potential to be a star. He's the, the latest Fulham produce, and he really does look like he's got something about him. Um, there's also other youngsters, Ollie Hammond of Nottingham Forest, Eli King of Cardiff. He's currently on loan at uh, Crewe. The other wing option is obviously Rabbi Matondo, who, when he broke through, there was a lot of hope for him. You know, he was following the Sancho path and going to Germany, and it all just became a bit of a disaster. But there's no doubting that with the ball at his feet, that boy has talent. Uh, Brennan Johnson could obviously play in a wide role, but I think he's going to have to play in one of the central roles because with Bale likely gone and Kiefer Moore probably gone, they don't really have anyone else. He's kind of going to have to be the guy. Um, Dan James, obviously, is another wing option. And I think he's much better as a winger than anywhere else, as a right winger. Simplify the game for him. Don't ask him to do too much. Just beat his man and whip crosses in, and he'll be absolutely fine. So the question is, who who develops up front next to Brennan Johnson? So... Joe Taylor, young player at Peterborough, hasn't shown much for Peterborough yet. Uh, so I, I don't know if he's going to hit the level. Uh, Pat Jones, another winger. It's not ideal. Nathan Broadhead, owned by Everton on loan at uh, Wigan. Maybe. Probably a bit more comfortable wide than central. Tyler Roberts is another one they need to step forward. If Tyler Roberts Tyler Roberts and Brennan Johnson could step forward together, that's a pairing. Because Roberts is at his best dropping off into space. And Johnson is at his best playing off the shoulder. So you could potentially get a pairing out of those two. I think there's enough to be confident that you're going to be certainly competitive to qualify for that World Cup. Now, obviously, I'm not looking at under-18 squads here or under-15 squads here or under-16 or anything like that. So there there may well be, like, think of it, in four years' time, the kids who are 15 now will be 19 and will be ready to contribute or could be ready to contribute. So maybe there's a couple of real stars coming through for Wales, for uh, Northern Ireland, and for Scotland. Moving on then to the Republic of Ireland, we've got a great goalkeeping situation. Gavin Basunu is excellent. Queeving Kelleher is very, very good. And I think Mark Travers is a good goalkeeper. So we've got three that we can really bank on moving forward. Um. There's also young Josh Keeley, who's at Tottenham, who's highly thought of. In defence, 
I think we're pretty good. I, I think we're going to be pretty good here. So I, I think Andrew Omabamadali of Norwich is a is a quality defender in the making. I think he's one that can really make a name for himself over the next four years. I think Nathan Collins is very, very good. I think Dara O'Shea is a good player. Liam Scales wouldn't be for me. Uh, Dara Linehan or Lenehan haven't watched much of him for Borough, to be fair. Uh, John Egan's 30. Doherty's 30. Robbie Brady's 30. Don't expect any of them to be around. McLean and Coleman definitely won't. But if you're giving me O'Shea and Collins as a centre-back pairing, and I can go Oma Bamadeli at right-back, and let's just say, for argument's sake, that Teo Adaramola of Crystal Palace steps forward, I think that's a solid back for. Oma Bamadeli right-back, Adaramola left-back, O'Shea and Collins in the middle. That's something I can definitely get on board with. There's also young Aaron Cashin who, at Derby who looks a promising centre-back. Um, if we wanted to go to a back three, Oma Bamadeli can play in a back three. O'Shea can play left, or um, Adar O'Shea can play left side of said back three. And Festi Obaselli, who's at Udinese, another one from the Derby Academy, another really talented player, He's a natural fit as a right wing back. Otherwise, I think he'd be right wing in a four four two or ending of or four two three one. But as a right wing back, it's probably his most his most natural position. Um, there's a young young defender called Anselmo Garcia McNulty, which is just a tremendous name, an absolutely tremendous name. Um, He's currently on loan with NAC Breda in the Netherlands from Wolfsburg. And he might be one that fits a back three as well. Left-footed, decent pace. He's one to keep an eye on. There's a couple of other good young defenders as well. And Mark McGuinness, um, who's at Sheffield Wednesday this year on loan from Cardiff. Former Arsenal Academy player, uh, Oshin McEntee, definitely one to keep an eye on. Big, big unit of a defender uh, with Walsall at the moment. He'd been at Newcastle, didn't make the grade with the tune, but definitely one I think could could go on and make an impact for Ireland. Uh, Joel Baggin I'm not overly familiar with. Uh, He's at Cardiff at the moment. Don't know how often he's played for them. To be fair, played a lot last season. Don't know how he's done this season because I haven't watched Cardiff all year. Um, so maybe he's another one to keep an eye on. So there's a lot of good young defenders. There's also young McNally, who's with Burnley, who's got a lot of talent to his game. So I think Ireland defensively are going to be in really good shape. Now in midfield, it's less... Promising, but there are definitely talented players here. Players that I think can form a good midfield. I like Jason Malumbi. I think he's I think he's very good. Uh, I like Josh Cullen, who's at Burnley and playing well. Uh, my assumption is that Cousin Jeff will be gone by then. Alan Brown I wouldn't be a big fan of. 
Jamie McGrath wouldn't be a big fan of. Mark Sykes, I haven't seen enough. Will Smallbone is, is talented. He's at Stoke. Uh, we'll see how he develops. Jason Knight is the one I'm I'm most excited about in terms of midfielders. Another one from the Derby Academy, but he he really does have something about him. Uh, Connor Ronan, I haven't seen a whole lot of him. He's at Wolves. I don't know if he's ever played for Wolves. Well, apparently he has. He played for Wolves when they're a championship club, but he's had just a plethora of loans. Uh, was that St. Mirren last year, Grasshopper the year before, Blackpool the year before, spent half of two different seasons in Slovakia. He's had an awful lot of loans. Probably needs to get himself away from Wolves and settle down somewhere. But, I mean, if he's playing that much at decent clubs like Grasshopper, then maybe there's something about him. He is 24, so he probably needs to make a decision on where he's going to play. Um, Ross Tierney at Motherwell, he looks a player. Joe Hodge at Wolves, he really does look a player. Dawson Devoy, another good player. Adam O'Reilly, I'm not familiar with. He plays for St. Patrick's Athletic. I probably should know more about him. Gavin Kilkenny, Luca Collin, uh, Luca Connell, rather, Will Ferry, Killian Phillips. Killian Phillips particularly looks good. And Connor Nose of Borussia Mönchengladbach. These are all promising young midfielders. So all Ireland need, if they go with a back three and wing backs, which probably suits what they've got best, they only really need two of these to really step forward. And there's a lot of them there. So good possibilities in midfield. Up front, Callum Wilson, Callum Robinson rather will probably still be around. Uh, I'm not overly keen on Callum Ododa. Uh, Ogbeni, I like, but he's not great. Obafemi, I have, I, I still hold out hope for. Um, Evan Ferguson is the one. Like he's the one we're kind of heavily banking on to to really kick on. Owned by Brighton, very highly thought of there. Troy Parrish is the other kind of big young forward hope, and we'll wait and see if he can sort of get his career back on track. Some of the loans he's had haven't worked out well for him. Uh, Liam Kerrigan, Dara Burns, and Sinclair Armstrong, he does look a player. He's at QPR. He's had a couple of loans, but he does look a player. He's played a few times for QPR this season. So I think Ireland have real reason to be hopeful. I think there's a lot of good young talent there. And I think there is a team in the making. Stephen Kenny's had a rough time as Ireland manager. Like, he's only won eight of 30 games. But he had to basically start over completely with the culture of Irish football because it was rotten to the core. And he wasn't, like... It's funny. I would, I will argue until my dying day that if you were to pick an all-time Premier League eleven right now on the 30-plus years of the Premier League, or 30 years, is it 30 years this year? I think there's three Irish players in it. I think Dennis Irwin is undeniably one of the fullbacks. Now, he's the best left-back the league has seen. I know a lot of people will pick Ashley Cole. 
that's both English bias and recency bias because Ashley came after Dennis. But if you want Ashley Cole on the team, fine. But Dennis Irwin is going in at right back. There is absolutely no question that Dennis Irwin is one of the two best fullbacks the league has seen. For me, he's number one. And I don't think it's all that close. As great as Ashley was, Dennis Irwin was just as good defensively and he was better going forward. He was two-footed, could play both sides, could also play in midfield, never had a bad game. You will never find footage of Dennis Irwin in a Manchester United shirt getting roasted. You might find some in a Wolves shirt having a couple of rough games. He was past his best at that point. But you won't find footage of him playing for Manchester United having a bad game. So he's in. Roy Keane is undeniably in. He is the best midfielder and the best captain the league has seen. And I think Paul McGrath is in. And I've always sort of looked at it and thought, Carvalho, Stam, Campbell, two from those three. But when I look at it, Paul McGrath has to be in. Like, just has to be in. Because there's an idea that he didn't play in the league all that long, that his best years came before the dawn of the Premier League. And there's there's some truth to that. But Yap Stam only played in the Premier League for three years. Ricardo Carvalho was at Chelsea for six years. Well, Paul McGrath played five years in the Premier League. Four for Aston Villa and one for Derby. And he was brilliant for Derby. So it's got to be him. Now, Van Dijk is outstripping Yapstam without doubt, and he's outstripping Saul Campbell. It's Paul McGrath and Van Dijk. They're your Premier League centre-backs. It's not Rio Ferdinand. It's certainly not Rio Ferdinand. And it's not John Terry either. John Terry was never the best defender in his own team, let alone any other team. And Rio was never the best centre-back at United. Nemanja Vidic held his hand. Rio was the laughing stock before Vidic got there. Error-prone, constant loss of focus, no positional sense, made up for it with good pace. Was very good in the ball, so fooled a lot of people thinking he used to be like it's like a better version of John Stones. It's like Jerome Boateng. Remember, people used to think Jerome Boateng was great, but he actually was fairly average defensively. He was just quick and he was good in the ball. You get a lot of these defenders. They're quick, they're good in the ball. People think they're great defenders. Sergio Ramos. I mean, PK wasn't quick, he was great in the ball, but he wasn't a great defender. Hummels wasn't a great defender. Great on the ball. Hummels was a good defender. PK was a good defender. They weren't great defenders. Paul McGrath was a great defender. Virgil van Dijk's a great defender. Campbell, Stam, Adams. I mean, Tony Adams has a real case to be in. But for me, it has to be Paul McGrath. Paul McGrath was PFA Footballer of the Year. In 93. The first season of the Premier League. And despite the fact that he couldn't train ever. He used to go in 
and do like 10 minutes on an exercise bike. And then when the la- when the when his teammates are playing five aside, he used to just retrieve the ball for them. 42 games, 30 games, 40 games, 30 games across the Premier League in his four seasons with Villa. First three of which obviously did have more games than we have now. Um, 24 games in the league for Derby. It's Paul McGrath. There's three Irish lads in the best Premier League 11. Now, there's barely three Irish lads in the Premier League. Full stop, as starters. It's just not good. We're not in a good situation at the moment. And and that's what Michael... That's what... um, That's what was inherited by Stephen Kenny. That's what he took over. Was a really, really bad squad. And probably whatever a golden generation is, whatever the opposite of that is, like a brown generation, because it's shit. And that's that's basically what he inherited. Like a shit generation of Irish talent. Uh, a third generation. T-U-R-D. Not the other way that people mock Irish people. A floater generation. That's what he inherited. And uh, he's turning it around, and there's a lot of talent coming through, particularly in goalkeeper and defence. Edward Ferguson becomes the player we hope he can be. Could be something good. And Jason Knight, he's the one in midfield that to keep an eye on. I think he's got something about him. I really do. I think he could play in the Premier League right now, from League One to the Premier League. I don't think he'd look at a place. If I... If I was making decisions at Crystal Palace, I'd go and buy Jason Knight. You want to fill that Conor Gallagher role? Go and get Jason Knight. Uh, I'll take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk about Leicester and we have a bit of gossip. And that's it. See you in a sec. Leicester City, they are 13th in the Premier League thus far. Very disappointing season to date, but they have turned things around in recent weeks. So they had a strange summer. They released a load of players. They sold Casper Schmeichel, who's the club captain. They sold Wesley Fafana for a significant profit on what they paid. And they brought in... Woot Faze, who looks a player. He really has settled in now, and he is starting to look very, very good. And Alex Smithies, who had failed a trial at Bournemouth, so I don't really understand why they signed him. Um, They certainly didn't do enough in the summer and left themselves short. That's what we know. Brendan Rodgers was quite open about that, that he felt he'd been left short. They had a disastrous start to their league campaign. They got a draw with Brentford on the opening day, but they went 2-0 up in that game at home and Brentford came back, got the draw and probably should have won it because they missed some good chances late on. They lost 4-2 to Arsenal, a game in which they went 2-0 down, scored, conceded straight away, scored again and then conceded straight away again. Then they lost 2-1 at home to Southampton. Again, they'd gone ahead. James Madison's goal. Two goals from Che Adams. Gave Saints the win. Then they played Chelsea. Chelsea went down to 10 men. 
played over an hour with 10 men and still beat them 2-1. They lost 1-0 at home to Manchester United. They got walloped 5-2, excuse me, 5-2 by Brighton. Then they got walloped 6-2 by Tottenham. Then they did some walloping of their own. They turned around, they beat Nottingham Forest 4-0. Then they lost 2-1 to Bournemouth. Again, they went 1-0 up. Pats and Dacus scored, but Billing and Christie gave Bournemouth the win. They drew 0-0 at home with Crystal Palace, a pretty good result. And then it really started to look like, well, this is Leicester. This is the team we're used to seeing. They beat Leeds 2-0. They hammered Wolves 4-0 away from home. Lost 1-0 to Manchester City, but gave them a good game. They went and beat Everton 2-0 away from home. And then they went and they beat West Ham 2-0 away from home. So having spent the majority of the first 13 weeks in the bottom three, they've moved themselves up to 13th. In part, it shows how tight the league is and how quickly you can move up and down. But four wins of the last five, only one defeat in the last six. That is a very good turnaround, given the disastrous, I would say, first nine games in which they only won one against Nottingham Forest. With one draw and seven defeats. Now, much of this has to fall on Brendan Rodgers. He has not done a good job this year. And I'm, to be honest, I think the only reason he's still in the job is because Leicester can't afford to sack him because he's got quite a big payout in his contract. And they do seem to be tightening the strings. I think FF, I think they're right up against the FFP wall or whatever the Premier League profit and loss, um, profit and loss margins in the Premier League are. Uh, they're still going, I wouldn't say strong in the EFL Cup because, you know, Stockport and Newport are not exactly a who's who, but they've knocked out Stockport on penalties and beat Newport 3-0. They'll play MK Dons in the next round of the EFL Cup. Uh, they've been drawn to face either Dagenham and Redbridge or Gillingham away in the FA Cup third round. There's There's plenty of talent in this squad. Now, I don't like the goalkeeping situation. Danny Ward, for me, just isn't very good. I think he's been dreadful this season. I think you make a real case he's been the worst keeper in the league this season. Alex Smithies isn't a Premier League caliber goalkeeper. Daniel Iverson looks like a talent, but they've never given him an opportunity. He's had a couple of good loan spells at Preston. Previously, he had good loan spells at Oldham and Rotherham. But he's never been given an opportunity with Leicester. He's played two games in the League Cup this season, though, and they're unbeaten. So maybe he's worth giving at least a a cursory glance at after Christmas. Don't know much about the young Polish goalkeeper, uh, Stolarczyk. But again, can't be be worse than Alex Smithies and Danny Ward. Um, I think they need to buy a goalkeeper. That's... First and foremost, I think they need to buy a goalkeeper. There's a lot of talent in defence, but there's also a lot of injuries in defence. Now, James Justin is an outstanding young defender, but he is now facing the second long layoff of his career. He tore his ACL, now he's torn his Achilles. They're starting right back, Ricardo Pereira. He's also out currently with torn Achilles. So that's, that's a concern. Ricardo Pereira is 29. 
his value is going to tank. I think he's going to the last year of his contract next season, about 18 months left. They probably should have looked to sold him a year ago. Um, wouldn't be a huge fan of, of Timothy Castanier. I do like Luke Thomas. I think he's a, a promising young player. I like Wood Faze. I like Cagliostianchi, but there's no doubt he's fallen off a cliff in the last couple of years. Ryan Bertrand is awful. Johnny Evans is decent, but he's injury prone. He's 34. Daniel Amarty, I think he's more of a right back than a centre back. I, I think he's actually a right back in a back, a centre back in a back three is what he actually is. I think he's one of those niche players that plays a role that isn't in every team. Um, Yannick Vestergaard is dreadful. They need to go in January. The goalkeeper can probably wait until the summer. Give Iverson a chance and see what you have. Maybe you have your future first-team goalkeeper there. You're going to have to run with Castanier and Thomas as your fullbacks and maybe use a Marty Moore at right back as well. And maybe you might even have to give Ryan Bertrand the game when, whenever he gets fit. But I, I would be looking to bring in a centre-back for certain to partner uh, phase. I think you've you've probably got to sell Sionchu. He's out of contract in the summer. Uh, Johnny Evans is out of contract in the summer as well. So, you know, you've... Oh, actually, I'm wrong about Ricardo Pereira. He is signed till 2026. So that's that's fair enough. Um, but Sionchu, Evans and Ryan Bertrand are all out of contract in the summer. So Sionchu is probably the one to sell in January because he might still have some value. And then go and get yourself a, a long-term starter next to phase. Uh, in midfield, they have issues, but there's loads of talent. There's no doubting the talent in midfield. Um, James Madison has been fantastic this season, as he was last season. But he's got 18 months left in his contract and has made a little bit of noise about wanting to leave. Yuri Tielemans is, is excellent. He scored some bangers this season. But he's had some rough games as well, and he's at a contract in the summer. And he doesn't look like he wants to stay. Will Fendidi is very, very good, but very, very injury prone at this point, even though he's only 25. He's got 18 months left. Dennis Pryat and Hamza Chowdhury are also at a contract in the summer. They've not done a good job with the contract management of this squad. Not done a good job at all. Uh, Bubakari Samari, when he gets the chances, he has shown he is a good player. He just hasn't had enough chances yet. Um, Nampali's Mendy's decent. Again, he's another one out of contract. Kieran Jewsbury Hall is outstanding. He's tied in long term. Harvey Barnes is excellent. He's tied in till 2025. So those two, they can look to build around. But I think they might need to start. Oh, and Samari. But I think they probably need to sell Madison and maybe sell Ndidi because they're going to lose most of the rest of them on freeze and they need to start replenishing. So it might be beneficial. Now in January, I don't think they need to touch that midfield area except to look at bringing in a right back or a right winger rather because they don't really have anybody that can play off the right wing except Barnes. And Madison, and both of them are probably a little bit better. Madison centrally, Barnes off the left. Um, but in in certain shapes, it, it has worked absolutely fine. You know, when they've gone with a 3-2-1 with 
Telemans, Ndidio, Sumari, and Dewsbury Hall, and then Madison and Barnes sort of withdrawn behind a striker. It's worked well. In attack, you've got Pats and Daka. He's still quite raw for a 24-year-old. But there's talent there. Ian Acho, I like, but I don't know that he's a starter. Ayosi Perez had a contract in the summer. And I think Jamie Vardy extended his contract for another couple of years. So, he, But he is 35. He'll be 36 in January. They're probably okay for now. Like, they've got four good bodies there. Well, very varying degrees of good. They're probably okay. For, for January, just go and get a centre-back. Forget everything else. Just go and get a centre-back. Make yourself at least solid at the back. You'll get goals. If you've got Thielemans, Dewsbury Hall, Barnes and Madison, you're going to create and score goals from midfield. If you've got Vardy and Acho and Daka, they're going to get goals. So just go and get yourself a centre-back. You might want to try and find a short-term loan of a full-back. A six-month loan on a full-back because with the two the two right-backs injured, I know Justin plays left-back as well, but it might just be beneficial to go and, and sign a, a full-back to fill in. You don't be playing Ryan Bertrand. You really don't be playing Ryan Bertrand. Luke Thomas, I like, but I, I, you can't play him every single game. Castanier isn't great, but Pereira will be back, and you can rotate those to it right back, and that'll be okay. But go and find a short-term loan of a left-back and go and buy a centre-back. Go and buy, Sell Caglacionchu and go and buy a centre-back. That's what they need to do. Then in the summer, they can address the other issues. We'll see what they have in goal. But it, it, it is definitely time to give Iverson a chance and not or Iverson and, and not play Danny Ward anymore. Uh, midfield, they're in good nick, except for the, the futures of it bleak because of the contract situations. And up front, they're fine. The big question mark for me is Rodgers. Like, look, he's obviously done well at, at, at Leicester. He won them an FA Cup. But the, the fact can't be ignored that this season has been a, a disaster thus far. Last season was pretty much a disaster as well, except for they had a little late season surge, which saw them sneak their way into the top half. But they were bottom half team for most of last season. And the two seasons prior, though people want to give them a lot of credit, they bottled top four from positions that seemed insurmountable. It looked like they were nailed on, especially the first year. When football stopped in the 1920 season, they had like a 97% chance, according to 538, of finishing in the top three. It was like 99.7% that they'd finish in the top four. And they bottled it. The second season wasn't as egregious, but it was still fairly bad. Like they were still rated at having well over a 90% uh, likelihood of top four with 15 games left. And they threw it away. And that has to go to him. So yeah, he's done well, but look at like, he's had unbelievable talent available to him. Unbelievable talent at his disposal. So for me, Rogers is the manager which is a manager with a shelf life. I think the shelf life has come up. I think it's time for Leicester 
to move on. Maybe it happens in the summer. Um, right, quickly then, South Korea, their manager, Paolo Bento, has announced he is leaving his role following his team's elimination from the World Cup. He says that he made the decision in September. It was set in stone from then, and he wants to thank everybody for their hard work, and he's pleased that the team had some success. And they did. They got out of uh, a, a very tough group. A very tough group. They got walloped by Brazil, but they got out of a tough group. Um, Oliver Bierhoff is leaving his role as the technical director of the German FA. He has had, or the German national team, more to the, the point. His contract has actually been terminated, so he has been fired. Um, he has been with the German Football Association for from 2004. Didn't realise it was that long. Um, to be fair, he's he's been a key figure in a World Cup win, and that can't be taken away from him. So I'll be interested to see what he does next. He's obviously most famous for his goal in the 1996 Euros final. And, uh, no, it's both goals, sorry, both goals in the Euros final. Um, but obviously one of them was the, the game winner. But yeah, so he's gone. I assume Hansi Flick is going to stay. Uh, the gossip, Manchester United are out of the race to sign Jude Bellingham. They were never really in the race to sign Bellingham. Real Madrid will not pay more than £108 million to sign Bellingham from Borussia Dortmund. Um, then they probably won't get him if that's the case. Inter Milan would find it hard to turn down an offer of €50 million Euros with add-ons of €10 million Euros for Denzel Dumfries. I'd find it hard to turn down an offer of twice what something was worth as well, personally speaking. Manchester United have opened talks with Jan Sommer, whose contract runs out in in the summer. Uh, I wouldn't imagine they have, because they can't do that till January. If they have, they've tapped the player up and would face sanctions. Uh, West Ham will bring in Brazil centre-back Luzao on a three-and-a-half-year deal once the 20-year-old's contract with Sao Paulo runs out. Not familiar with the player, but fair play. Manchester United have made... Jan Oblak, their main target as they look to bring in a new goalkeeper. No, they haven't. That's nonsense. Because let's be honest, if they're going to sign a new goalkeeper, they're going to sign a different type of goalkeeper than De Gea. And Oblak is is in the De Gea category in terms of style. Not particularly proficient with his feet, but a great shot stopper. More aggressive coming off his line, of course, but and and I think a better goalkeeper, but he's not the type of goalkeeper they'll sign. They'll look at someone like Robert Sanchez from Brighton or Costa from Porto, David Rea, someone like that. Someone who's comfortable with their feet. Um, Cesar Aspilicueta says he opted to stay with Chelsea rather than move to Barcelona in the summer after Stamford Bridge's, Bridge Club's new owners showed me they wanted me to stay. Didn't they force you to say, stay by triggering, a, <laughs> triggering an option that they had in your contract? Real Madrid are interested in Aspilicueta, I doubt it. Inter Milan are keen to sign Chris Smalling. Chris Smalling has done well in Syria, to be fair. Newcastle are looking to make a move for Anthony Robinson. I doubt that. I wouldn't say that's true. England players are a bit advised to re- review security measures after burgl- burglary at Chelsea winger Raheem Sterling's home while he was in Qatar. Leeds are yet to enter contract talks with Rodrigo, who has 18 months left. I wouldn't extend him. I'd sell him in the summer. He'll be 31. 
he's injury prone, he's inconsistent. You're not going to get back what you paid from side, so just move him on. Um, Napoli are among the clubs interested in Frank Kessie. Frank Kessie. And Zambo, either side of Labaka, would be something to behold. And finally, Burnley boss Vincent Company is on the shortlist to replace Roberto Martinez as Belgium head coach. Do not do it, Vincent. Do not go to international management at this point. Stay where you are. Get Burnley up. You're doing a great job. Stick with it. And that'll do. That's me for today, folks. Thank you, as always. And I will see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.